that the most incredible single you've ever heard? We would love a whole album of that. Uh, there are rumors that YouTube hasn't made an album in the last five years. That's untrue. We have made several albums, we just haven't released them. Uh, we're making music all the time, that's what we do. Uh, with this, we wanted to wait until we had one that was as good as our very best work, as good as the best we've ever done. And uh, You know, we feel the same way about products. <laughs> we're the blood in your machines. Oh, Zen master of hard and software, Tim Cook. Look, we fit it, as of last, this time last week, we finished our album. It's called Songs of Innocence. We're very excited about it. The question is now, Zen Master, how do we get it to as many people as possible? Because that's what our band is, is all about. Well, you know, we do have iTunes. <laughs> I do believe you have over a half a billion subscribers to iTunes. So could you... Get this to them. Sure, we could do that. Could you like do it in like five seconds just by pressing a sort of magic Apple send button? You could if, do that? If we gave it away for free. But first you would have to pay for it. <laughs> because we're not going in for the free music round here. You would consider I've been told I'm a good negotiator. <laughs> <laughs> you would consider putting Songs of Innocence out to over half a billion people free in, say, five seconds from now. Yes. We could... We press the button, it'll take a little longer to get all the way across the internet, but it can start in five seconds. So, you two, let me just get this straight. You <laughs> two's new album, Songs of Innocence, is going out for free to a half a billion people in the next five seconds. Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. one. <laughs> You're incredible. Thank you to everyone at the Apple team. This is, a, this is a very, very big deal for us. It's, it's kind of our core DNA. The clue is in the name, but we really do want to get our music. We put everything we have into this. It's our most personal record, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the At YouTube Podcast, episode number 51, where we're talking all things YouTube. Uh, normally album news, tour dates, community discussions from the staff at YouTube, but for this final episode, maybe, unless uh, while we're recording, YouTube releases a new album, which could happen, I guess. We're doing our final album by album discussion with Songs of Innocence. And I've got some, uh, some <laughs> innocent people with me. <laughs> First up, Jill. Hello, Jill. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Thank you very much. And Tasula, welcome back. Thank you. And Matt, once fired, now returned. 
Hi, Chris. Is this going to be the last? I was. That was my main question. Is this? Are we going to like go into like B sides or <laughs> pass it? Like people, yeah. Chris. The people want to know: Are we going to do passengers or not? <laughs> I know there is going to be a passengers discussion at some point. I, okay. I, I think so. <laughs> when when it's a really 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 <laughs> slow news period. <laughs> when we have nothing else to talk about. No. <laughs> There's some love for passengers out there. Please send it in on Twitter, ask, uh, or hashtag ask at you too if you're a passenger's uh, lover. I would go on that episode. I would do that. Yeah. Always Forever Now is one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah, it's actually a really good uh, listen to us as we go into a passenger's yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> It's a good one to put on in the background if you're trying to like get some other work done and stuff like that. So. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But uh, this is not the pos- Passengers podcast, of course. So... Um, we are uh, discussing, like we said, or like I said, the, the final episode of our album series. We we have no news, just rumors and teases of what may come. Hopefully, you enjoyed our discussion, uh, episode fifty with Andy Green from Rolling Stone. Sort of some deeper dives on uh, a bit of his conversations with Edge, Adam, and Willie Williams, and uh, of course, nothing new to report yet. But uh, we'll see what happens. And looking forward to the Joshua Tree tour starting up in a few months see everybody out in Vancouver for the show opener and then everybody follows along around on the tour right I'm assuming that's what everybody's doing right heck yeah <laughs> I'm not going to the US but we'll not have the political discussion right now uh some of us are afraid we might not get back in right I think somebody's might be listening into this conversation. Anyways, um, we had uh, actually very little uh, Twitter feedback this time in preparation for the show, but there was lots of awesome feedback from the forum. If, in case you're not aware, and like I was for the first little while of my uh, partnership, staffmanship, or whatever it's called, as uh, at U2, there's an awesome forum where folks are discussing U2 stuff. Um, almost ad nauseum, almost all the time, I think. And uh, Tasula had a good conversation going with what was the topic. Uh, pager. Can can you two have another radio hit? Right, it sort of spun off the last episode with Andy Green, right? Of his exactly. comments on you know them not really. It, and I disagreed it. with him, which is why I brought it up in my OTR. And then I thought, well, I may not be the only person on the planet that disagreed with him, so that's why I tossed it out. And it looks like there's there's some on my side. Most are on his side, but some are some are with me on that. Yeah, yeah. So. The- <sighs> Definitely check that out, forum.atu2.com, I think, is the URL where you can, if you don't have an account already. And uh, even Andy Green, like he said in that episode, has an account. I don't know if he popped in to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see him in there yet, but I'll check again. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's disp- dispense with everything that we start, and let's get right into the, the uh, meat of our program, talking about Songs of Innocence, which uh, famously or infamously came out back in this, way back September 9th, 2014, when we were all so innocent at the iPhone 6 event, Apple's iPhone 6 event, uh, it was a v- surprise with a few rumors. I don't know, Matt, do you remember the lead up? And uh, I wasn't on staff then, so I don't know what sort of back behind the scenes flurry of discussion there was when it was kind of like. Yeah, there were the, the rumors were that they were going to appear and do a song, do some sort of performance at the thing. There was the fact that they released an album on the spot with that magical finger touch that you love. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was totally totally off the wall, totally out of nowhere. And I, there was no rumors about an entire that I recall about uh, an entire album getting released. 
Right. So it wasn't because then <laughs> it was funny speaking of, we were talking about fandoms before we started recording, but I'm an Apple nerd and a YouTube nerd, obviously. And so having my two worlds collide like that, but then have it be like this awkward dad moment <laughs> was <laughs> with the touching of the finger and the releasing of the album that way. But I was happy to get the album all the same as many of us were. And yeah, some of us weren't <laughs> famously. For, can, I, can I interrupt yeah. on that point, by the way? <laughs> I just, I just did a Twitter search. You can still find people six hours, six hours ago, Leslie Graham on Twitter. How TF do you get this damn U2 album off your damn iTunes? Oh my God. <laughs> Why? Six hours ago. <laughs> So that's like, yeah, two, all, well, almost three years, two and a half 11 years. 11 hours ago, Jubilee. I've never intentionally downloaded a U2 song, yet I have an entire album that they forced onto my iTunes music a few years ago. Ugh. <laughs> like the drama of it all. Like, it's all right. It's so, <laughs> so many horrible things in our world. I know. <laughs> a U2 album is a blessing. Like, appreciate it. Right. Well, that's where they've they went back and like did a bit of you know, hey, we're sorry, and uh, there's a Facebook. How to delete event. it? Yeah, here's how to delete. The kind house. of tongue in cheek. I mean, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny now in in light of that. Obviously, no other bands have tried to match that or do that. Uh, it's obviously scared everybody off from <laughs> the idea of forcing music onto people enough uh, that no other bands have sort of tried that. They've done obviously surprise releases and stuff like that. That's not anything new that way. But the magical finger touch did not have a magical reaction <laughs> to it. Um, just a bit of like basic information about it, the Wikipedia dump, as it were, of information on it. We'll get into the discussion. But the album cover, which we can talk about in a minute, features a bit of an almost anti-cover design. It's sort of a throwback to the old LP design, record cover styles. Thematically, it revisits the group's youth in Ireland, touching on childhood memories and also paying tribute to their musical inspirations. Bono has described it, among other things, as the most personal album we've ever written. And uh, like I said, approximately 81 million iTunes users listened to the album in the first month of release, 26 million of whom downloaded the entire record, which I guess it was added to the account and then you could choose to have it actually saved to your phone or, or device. Otherwise, it would have just gotten streamed. So that's sort of how they're tracking a bit of that. Um, I had the, it was the, in the last episode when we did uh, No Line on the Horizon, there had been the longest gap between records, but this was actually now the longest gap, five and a half year gestation period. Um, the group reportedly worked on three separate projects with multiple producers and uh, Bono had been quoted as saying, rumor has it we haven't made a U2 album in the last five years. We have, we've made several. We just didn't release them because we were waiting for something that would be as good as the best we've ever done in typical Bono humility fashion. And then, of course, in 2015, U2 supported the album with their successful Innocence and Inexper <laughs> Inexperience. <laughs> Innocence oh, and Experience tour. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just bitter I never got to see it. That's all. That's why I'm slamming it so anyways you you folks when you heard first heard the album you downloaded it to your iphone immediately i'm sure like i did you were sort of madly refreshing itunes right your iphone to try and get the album downloaded what were your initial sort of thoughts we'll go around uh looking from jill is on my left <laughs> on your left okay um it's i think it's gonna be like two days to actually download it because i didn't know how to do it because I was like who just throws an album onto my device I didn't know what to do and I was like wait but how do I because everybody was talking about it, like, oh, this song and this song but I'm like I don't have it yet so Lord. It, took me, it, it took me like a couple days to finally get it and I I was at work during I guess the the Apple event and I was just checking Twitter and I'm like okay well they're there already 
you know, went through like the rest of my Twitter feed. And then I got to the end of the Twitter feed, and, like the album was like announced. And I was like, wait a minute, there's an album? Like what's going on? And I was like, I can't go back to work now. So what do I do? But I obviously I went back to work and then I had to take two days to actually get the entire album. But um what was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you answered it. I don't oh, okay. I'll catch up in two days when I figure out what my question was. But. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> Matt, how about you? When you first heard it, did you figure out how to download it and then <laughs> yeah, I did I did figure out how to I think I figured out how to download it. Um <laughs> I know it didn't take me two days and Jill as as one of our millennial staffers, we expect you to know this downloading exactly. stuff better than us. No, they, I don't don't download. they stream. That's the problem. <laughs> oh, that's right. They do stream. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, I don't I mean it was that day is all a sort of a big like mess for me because it was so like I was in the middle of my day job and then all of a sudden I had to switch into at you two mode and I wasn't working and I was doing at you two stuff and I think I listened to it while we were covering all the news and I don't know I don't remember I I don't remember anything I think I think I felt the same way then about the album as I do now which is that I really like it and there's you know some things that are better than others on it right how about you Tsula I remember it distinctly. I was actually at, I still worked at a financial firm at the time and we were interviewing candidates for an open position. And I told my team, I was, I knew I was going to have to be in the interview with one of these candidates when U2 was due to go on. And so I told them the minute that U2 takes the stage to start singing, I need you to text me an emergency to get me out of this candidate's interview. And I will make a big deal out of it and come into back into the office and then go into a separate conference room to watch the rest of the thing. And that's exactly what they did. They, they texted me the instant they came on. I was like, Oh my gosh, my team really needs me. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Please leave your resume on the desk. Peace out. And I ran into this other conference room. I had my laptop. I fired it up. I watched the very end of miracle and then the, the, the finger and all that. And <laughs> you, you within, saw the magical finger. I touch. saw the magical finger live. And within <laughs> Half an hour, I had it downloaded and was I was like, I need to take my lunch. And so I just walked out. <laughs> I thought, well, if they have a problem with that, and it's probably, you know, it wasn't really lunchtime, but whatever, you know, I made it lunchtime. And I just walked around Bellevue, where I worked at the time, um, listening to the album in chronological order, as I always do. That's my ritual with every album I ever buy. Um, and then I kept listening to it and kept walking around and came back to my office like two and a half hours later. <laughs> But it was great. I loved it. Yeah, I had a very similar reaction to it. Like just the shock of it actually being an album that's coming in. You could sort of see in the lead up to what they were talking about, it kind of seemed like it was going to be an album. They had this sort of silly little interplay with Tim Cook and Bono. Should we do it or whatever and stuff? But uh, yeah, and and sort of fighting with iTunes to get it actually downloaded, uh, as every YouTube fan probably was doing, whether for a few minutes or a few days. And then um, they the actual listen of it kind of being like, unsure and i think um hitting on a few songs that i wasn't sure where they were going with exactly and how it fit into what i thought you two would sound like in 2014 i guess but uh 
but then um, yeah, falling in love with a bunch of songs. So we had uh, a bunch of forum comments for, as well from folks. Uh, David in the forum said, initially, I thought it was a great return to form, but like every other post-U2 album, post-2000 U2 album, sorry, it hasn't improved on repeat listens. So for him, it's not working as well. Wow. Yeah. Disagree. Hashtag disagree. <laughs> disagree too, yeah. Oddly, he says, I'd much rather listen to live versions of the songs complete with Bono talk than the album versions which I can I can understand complete too. with Bono talk that's <laughs> insulting <laughs> uh, Thunder Peel great username said the album itself is great but sadly the band has retreated into its typical phase of second guessing and numerous delays uh, which I would also kind of agree with we kind of touched on that with andy in the last episode uh this train said the most ironic youtube release of all time diehard fans waited five and a half years since no line and here we are getting it for free and with no wait exclamation points couldn't believe the good news for the rest of the world the question was how to get rid of it didn't want to be bothered with it at all sometimes you can't even give away stuff for free and uh, finally, Jordan, and there's more. Uh, we'll put a link to the forum conversation so you can add your thoughts if you like. Whether you love Songs of Innocence or not, it is one of the most cohesive albums in terms of theme that U2 has ever done. Which I would agree with that. Think, Thumbs yeah. up for that comment. <laughs> Thumbs up for Jordan. <laughs> yeah, good job, Jordan. Sorry, David. Uh, not as much love, but uh, with LD. My, my friend had it, and she... She was like, so I have the album on my phone. And I was like, oh, my God, I know. Isn't it great? She's like, but should I keep it? I'm like, you have to keep it. It's really good. I was like peer pressuring her <laughs> and our friendship. I was like, you should just keep it on there. I think it's really you'll really enjoy it. And we haven't like discussed it since. And this is what 2014 when it like first came out. That's what it, Probably. I, it would actually be interesting. Like, Matt, you did a Google search or Twitter search of, you know, folks complaining about it. And to go back now and, and sort of almost interview some folks who got it for free, who weren't U2 fans at all, were surprised that they had this album in the first place, and then sort of hear their feedback on what their experience was like if this was their first you know, U2 experience, uh, U2 album experience anyways, and if they ever actually played it or just kind of left it as a annoyed thing that they had to listen, <laughs> try and get off their phone. <laughs> but anyways, let's go on to, we're going to go through the song by song and have a little chat about the rest of the album. So first up is, of course, The Miracle of Joey Ramone. So I think for this one, like it was the one they played obviously at the Apple event. So everybody kind of knew it right away. And then um, it eventually became the tour opener, right? And so I think the the um, rock return sort of to, of a single, like like a vertigo or whatever it kind of felt like, was, uh, wasn't was like a surprise. And But it was a song that definitely took a while from, to grow on for me, I think. I don't know. It just felt like a bit of a throwaway tune until I sort of got into the depth of it um, and I sort of understood what was going on behind the scenes and the lyrics and stuff and the tributes and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then again, hearing it live and, and seeing it live kind of changed it for me into a song I could really enjoy and get into musically, like playing it guitar wise, but also just as a song to listen to. So I know I've heard from, I have a few YouTube fan friends who uh, shall remain nameless, who feel like it, it's a song that never ends for them. <laughs> 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 the miracle is when it's over. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anybody else with some miracle thoughts? Uh, I'll go. It's. I mean, it's kind of. I. I think I feel the same way as you, Chris. It's. Um. I. It's kind of. 
you know, I mean, I like it enough. It's, I, I mean, it's a great concert opener, right? And I think, I think, I think it was written, you know, almost specifically for that purpose. It's, I mean, it's very much in that vein, as you said, of Vertigo and you know, Boots uh, to you know to a degree where you know it's this up tempo rock song. Um, and it's, I, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of U two by numbers for me, which is not, a, I'm not, that's not a criticism. I mean, that you know, U two by numbers is is generally awesome. Um, and you know it's you know it's got the you know the the chanting and the oh 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 and it's you know it's just it's a great concert opener and and you know so I totally understand you know why it's the why it was the lead single and the, you know the first song of the show. Yeah, the YouTube my numbers thing is I think could be a common theme of this album if you sort of left it especially at the surface level on a lot of songs. There's kind of like they've got the this the jingle song for Edge to play and then the emotional sort of one type song. Anyways. We'll get into those. I know there's love for the songs. I'm not saying it's just all a template, but right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's keep moving on. Listen, there's comments from Jill or Tsulon. Well, I remember because they were they used it in the the commercials also, like the Apple right. commercials, and when they did the commercials, you know, in 2000 or 2004, you know, like for the iPod, like that was like the early early stages of my fandom to use that word again. So I didn't really like. I couldn't like appreciate it like those commercials like back then because I was like just starting to really get into them. And then, you know, like seeing the Apple commercial years later with this album and like these songs being like a total like crazy fan that I am now, I could really like appreciate it more and be like, oh, my gosh, like it's a YouTube commercial. Whereas years ago, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a YouTube commercial. Like I wouldn't get like as hyped about it as I would at that period, like now when that out when songs of instant came out and i was like oh god we have a youtube commercial this is like fantastic so and i think it was a great commercial song but i think i guess i'm agreeing with like chris and matt where i said it was a great opener for the tour and it just i had to listen to it live multiple times to really really kind of like appreciate it a lot more because i wouldn't i wasn't really like into it like the first couple listens on the album but once hearing it live i was like oh my gosh it's like so great why do i always skip this song so now it's like i listen to it yeah, I agree. And that's what it's, there's a discussion that chat room going on about how listening to the album tracks, once you've heard them live, kind of puts them into context and is much better experience. You kind of like add in those, the, the 30,000 fans or whatever, <laughs> singing along with the song as a way to sort of, uh, get it, yeah, you know, even more exciting when you listen to it. So, um, all right. Number two is, uh, every breaking wave. It's a recurring theme for me, anyways. If you're listening to any of the shows, I episodes I've been on. Well, I've been on all of them. I guess. <laughs> when I'm allowed to talk, it's just the, idea of the, the live version or the B side version often being better for me. Um, but the 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 video version where they have like the, they have the extended video version almost or movie. I don't know what what are, what are those called now. Like a like short a, film kind of short thing. film doc. Yeah, not a documentary, but yeah, a short film uh, for every breaking wave and um and just like getting whether it's totally fits with the the lyric all the time or not, but getting sort of a visual with the song and something to sort of hang certain lyrics or musical moments on when you see the video and then see the live version or whatever, that kind of stuff always helps for any song. And, and this song definitely feels like a, a U2 song to me that isn't, isn't hard to sort of place in their canon of music, but uh, 
isn't always uh i don't know i'm i'm more anxious to like get ahead to some of the later songs in the, in the record so um but is there a every breaking wave fan boy or girl out there I think it's one of the, I think it's one of the best songs they've done in a while. I I it's I don't think it's you know it's a simple song. It's not exciting. It you know it doesn't get your heart pumping or anything. I just think it's a beautifully written song. Um, Ringing endorsement. It's not exciting and it doesn't. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's not. I mean, it's I mean, you know, it's it's kind of you know, it kind of moves along at its own pace. I just I just think it's a you know, I think if if it had been on all that you can't leave behind, it would have been a huge hit. Yeah, now that I agree with. I think it fits more with that album, quite frankly. Sound-wise, yeah, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, thematically. Style-wise, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Like, it could have had its own little, like, wave symbol, like how those songs had symbols. Exactly! On how that would have been so that great. I would put that on my car instead of the heart in the suitcase, yeah. I know, that'd be really cool. <laughs> I didn't like it during the tour. I didn't like the stripped-down kind of version of it. It kind of made it slower. I liked the pace of it on the album more. Same for me, yeah. yeah. I'd like to hear the full band play it. Yeah, yeah. And I was, and I guess my other, my only criticism is I don't like the lyric about the dog. Because like when I first heard, it, I was like, did he just say every dog? And I was like, no, he did. And I, <laughs> and I just, I just, I don't think, I don't know. I just think at least it wasn't as tortoise. Oh, <laughs> true. That makes sense. But I was just like, no, like a dog on this street and i was like bono like really i don't know so <laughs> there's a youtube list for us to do like misplaced animals and things yeah <laughs> yeah every dog in the street knows we're in love with the feet uh, yeah, they, yeah. He, was, he was reaching i'm with Sparky. i'm with Jill. yeah yeah i'm gonna <laughs> my dog is right here he has no idea if we're in love with the feet or not yeah <laughs> It's one of those songs, like it's an old one, right? It's from, they played it even on it is, the 360, 360. tour. Yeah. yeah. So like, it's, it's interesting how a song, like I, we've talked about this on previous episodes, I know, but like just that idea of like a song being, you tried it in 2010 or 2012, maybe even or whatever. And, and so you'd think, well, we tried it, it's done. Would it really be worth, you know, five years later going back to that? Uh, but clearly, you know, you two obviously does. So. And I referenced an article in uh, the previous or episode forty nine, I guess it was, with one of the producers on on No Line who talked about about how the the process. So it's worth reading that article if you didn't. And there's another endorsement for that if you go check it out. Episode forty nine of the podcast. All right, California. So I've never been to California, but I don't. You're the only one on the podcast who hasn't, and you claim the song. I claim the song. I don't, but I think my reasoning behind claiming it is I know um, that it's the best song ever. It's it's, it's the second best after Iris. Um, but it's it just I I mentioned this and I I forgot what piece I wrote for the site, but I mentioned that this California is like the most it's in my top 25 most played on my ipod it's the only u2 song in my top 25 most played so i feel like i think it sounds like 120 something listens but i it's so good and i think i feel like a connection to it because the beach boys were my first concert i was like six years old when i saw them and i think i guess going back connecting with like innocence i think 
deep down, like somehow, like it connects me to that memory of my first concert, having it been the Beach Boys and see the inspiration of them in that song. And I just feel like, I feel so much for it. And it's, it's like the best after Iris, but like, it's really like a great song. Well, I did go to school in Southern California. <laughs> and I can tell you that that is what I love about the song is that it totally, totally captures that vibe of driving up and down Pacific Coast Highway through Santa Barbara and Malibu and uh, Pacific Palisades and Santa Monica. And it just, it so wonderfully catches that vibe for me. And I love the song. You all know I love the song if you ever listen to this podcast. To the degree that one time I was flying from New York to Seattle and they have the map on the seat in front of you so you can see where your plane is. And I put um, – I California came on right as I was like entering Montana airspace and I hit the repeat button and I listened to California on repeat from the start of Montana into the state of Washington. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) I I think it was like, you know, 20 plays in a row. (laughs) I did. I will admit that when we saw this live at Dreamforce, which, you know, I I think I did maybe predict that um, I glanced back at Matt, who was two or three people over from me, and he was just in absolute heaven. <laughs> I, like I am right now. Like, literally, I'm sitting at my he desk right now, just, bouncing to this song, yeah. and it's not even playing. I'm, I'm so angry that Chris cut it off so soon. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Say, so talk to the lawyer. <laughs> and I was like, so I was looking for other stuff to do, glancing around, you know, like, on, on my phone. <laughs> socks. <laughs> I don't get that, man. I, 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 it's, it's, it's one of the songs. It's, I think the main song that I was like confused the most about when I listened to the album and, and like, I appreciate the, like the, the location and the angle of that, but just musically or whatever, it just felt weird off for me on a U2 album. And it's still like to this day, it doesn't, and maybe because they haven't really done it too much live. And so I don't have any sort of like, um, live hooks to place it in, but, um, yeah, it just, I don't know. I can't really explain. It's, it's not that I hate it. It's not like I feel sick when I listen to it or something like that, but yeah, I don't know. Something about it is not, just doesn't jive for me. Wow. That's like really deep. <laughs> I, I agree with everything. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> This podcast has been divided. Yeah, two versus California two. California lovers versus the California haters. And I, I'm, I think I, I speak for both of us when I, we, California is a great place. Like I love going to California. I love the state. I mean, so it's not a location thing for me. <laughs> but the song is like, it's like sunny with no clouds. It's yes. just like a, it's a beautiful like, day of a song. That's what it is. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Yawn. <laughs> It's a volcano. Okay, it's say the a word, but I don't want you know the octane baby people coming at me, so I'll just leave that. Yeah, you leave acrobat out of this. Okay, song for someone. This song 
was probably one of my favorites during the tour because it was like every time Allie was there, Bono would tell, I guess, like the same version of the story where he was trying to write her a song and he wanted it to be perfect. And she would tell him, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I kind of loved Bono referencing his, you know, like teenage, like angst years of like, you know, trying to tell a this girl that like how much he feels about her and was trying to write her a song. And I just, I think it's one of like you two's like really good kind of like love songs, but not like mushy kind of like love. It's just so thoughtful. And I like the flow of it kind of like how every breaking wave, I didn't like the live version of that, but I love the live version of this, but even like the album version is still, it hits you like right in the feels, but I just, oh, it's so good. I love it. I'm, like, really hyped about this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love this album. I just love this album. Okay? A little behind-the-scenes stuff for people who don't know. We we have a Google Doc with us, the notes for the, <laughs> the... And we each sort of claim a song just to, like, lead off the discussion on. And, and Jill went in and basically claimed the album. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. Yeah, this this for me is is like it's if like Matt was saying if it's if anything it is a YouTube paint by numbers song that the little clip that I that I pulled out is like the little edge kind of back and forth jingly thing over top of a building baseline and stuff and I'm sure it, it, within the band even they know those you know those YouTube moments or whatever and that's that's fine but um it still doesn't take anything away from it being a great song the the, the <laughs> If they're ever going to pick out random lyrics, the "You've Got a Face Not Spoiled by Beauty" doesn't always make sense to me as a like to start off the song. But once you're sort of into it and you forget about that first line, then I'm all good. All oh, there. but it's such a good opening line. You think so? It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think a lot of people did misinterpret it, though. I mean, I remember reading like they, people don't. He doesn't think his wife is pretty. It's like, oh my god, folks. No, he's no, nervous. No, no, he's no. Just folks. nervous. Yeah. <laughs> But the, this song for me, I remember being on a freezing bus with Jill in Dublin when, when we were we had come back from a long day of sightseeing and going to all the, the things. And it had began snowing, if I remember correctly. And I'm in this tiny little skirt and Jill and Michelle are with me. And I'm like, we have to go to the bus. We have to go to the bus today. And of course, Bono came the next day. So my bad. But the day that we stood in line for an hour or however long it was to get on the bus, we get on the bus and then they play this virtual reality version of this song. It's 360 where you sit on these little swivel stools and put this thing on your head and rotate around as you're watching different people sing the song. Like if you remember, you two asked for people to send in their own YouTube videos of themselves singing this song. So it was really, really, really cool. And I actually liked the song more after I saw that. Yeah, that was really cool. I forgot about that. The sort of, uh, was that, that's VR, right? Yeah. VR. Uh, yeah. That's what it's called. I couldn't did. think of the term. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, that's a really cool experience of, and it kind of opened my eyes to what the potential was anyways for music in the VR space. I've, I've familiar, I'm familiar with gaming and stuff like that and how that could potentially be cool. But, um, but yeah, that way of sort of involving the listeners in a performance like that was really really cool so if you haven't ever checked that out we'll put a link into it and into the show notes which you can find it goodstuff.fm slash atu2 slash 5151 um but uh yeah did i forget is matt have you uh any song for someone thoughts uh no you guys covered it all well enough for me okay i'm good 
I'm I'm saving my thoughts for upcoming songs. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Iris, hold me Rare. close. This is the next song. <laughs> Guys, the best song on the album, okay? <laughs> like, it is. And like, don't come at me with Raised by Wolves. Don't come at me with anything else on the album. This is the best song on the record, okay? Did you think and that before you saw it live, though? I've never asked you that. I did. I did. Absolutely, okay. I did. Because it, the album peaked for me at this song, and then I really had to get into the second half. Like, I didn't really enjoy, like, Raised by Wolves, Cedarwood Road, until I saw it live. Like, I would hear Iris and be like, oh, now I have this other half of the album that I don't like as much. So once I saw the tour, I really, the album kind of really became what it was for me. But, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I can't even tell you, like, the first time I heard this song and I was, like, finished. Like, I couldn't go on for, like, the rest of the day. So what is it about the song that finishes you? <laughs> no, I mean, I think because it reminds me <laughs> on the Atomic Bomb album where Bono wrote, um, Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own, where he talks about his father. But now hearing this you know, he's written about his mother before, but this is obviously like really open for him. And he opened up a lot of himself in this song and hearing these, like these lyrics that he wrote about her and just getting to see it live with the images, with all of those kind of elements, bringing it together. It's, it's really, you just like, you feel for him so much. And I'm like, I just want to give him a hug because he's singing about them. He has to do it every night. And then you hear the album and it's like, why am I crying on the subway? I'm like hearing this song and it's like difficult <laughs> for me. And it's hard for me to put into words because I love it so much. But it's like, if you hear it, like you understand. And if the, and if you saw it live, you definitely understand. Matt knows in Dublin, like he knows. Oh, I know. Trust me. Anybody who's been to any shows with you knows, Jill. No, 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 Joe. This is our song. I mean, this is it the is uh, you know, it's it's like a it's like a competition on who's going to cry first and who's oh going to cry longest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel the same way as Jill does. The the line. Um, Iris says that I will be the death of her. It was not me. That just that's just like okay, I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> can't even go there at this point, right? Like this. Like you're walking out of the arena. You're like, no, can't watch the rest of the show. I gotta have like a moment. That's right. Yeah. No, Iris is a wonderful, wonderful, amazing song. And Fabiano Chatter mentioned or brings up the uh, the visuals in the concert too, uh, which I'm sure most folks have seen uh, the concert document or concert video. But uh, if you have not ever checked it out for some reason, and yet you love the album, <laughs> it's definitely worth checking out because um, oh. it, yeah, like just what, like what Jill is saying, to sing the song is one thing, but then to also to actually have visuals of your mom that you're singing to or about, and uh, every night on stage and having to sort of perform that. Um, is yeah just like intense and draining i'm sure to put it mildly so the stars are bright but do they know i mean oh god like seriously <laughs> recite the rest of the song please <laughs> oh wow stay tuned if we can keep jill awake long enough at the end we can just get her to recite it all <laughs> I, I don't this one all right so uh, shall we move on to uh something called volcano oh, here we go <laughs> 
Volcano's terrible. Oh my god! I, I knew you were gonna insert. <laughs> he that was like clip. waiting I, to say it. Absolute <laughs> horror of that. No, this to me is the best song on the album. I had a visceral reaction to this the very first time I heard it. So that, that story I just told at the beginning of the show, when I was walking around, you know, I'm, I'm ingesting all of these beautiful ballads and this nice slow, you know, song for someone slow and Iris is slow and even California is kind of slow. <laughs> And then you just get hit in the gut with Volcano. And I was on. I was so excited. Here's my rock and roll band that I've missed so much. Here's Bono in his sexy voice. Oh, my God. I love it. And I was mortified and shocked at its backlash. Back Oh, like from U2 fans, you mean? Just to start Yeah, being yeah because it, feel, it felt like the haters just jumped on this, especially after they played it live. I've never heard it live. I never was at any of the shows where they played it, but I heard some of the the Mixlers and the Meerkats and all that stuff. And it sounded fine to me, but I wasn't there, so I can't say for sure. And some of our staffers saw it and thought it was great, but I I can't imagine why you wouldn't like this song. It's It sounds different. It sounds It's the first song on the album that kind of doesn't in a way fit, but that's a good thing for me. Well, let's go to someone else who has famously in the past anyways had a different opinion about the song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He He's alluded to maybe his feelings have changed, but Matt, do you have any volcano thoughts? Since well, last we heard from you on it, <laughs> we I, we have to get. I was planning to skip this and one other song, but since you've <laughs> since you've roped me into it. We go for the jugular here on this podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't skip this song anymore. So, well, that's you, progress. So there on the bright, so there you go on the bright side. I don't skip it on anymore. On the downside, for all the complaints about the intellectual tortoise lyric and anything else <laughs> that, that people don't like, the line, the uh, "Do you live here or is this just a vacation?" is one of the dumbest things he ever saw. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I want to and, make a and, to make and, and, and listen, listen, you know, if I ever get a chance to say something to him in person, the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth is going to be Bono. If you have to sing about how you are rock and roll, you are most certainly not rock and roll. Get it all out <laughs> the edge. <laughs> I, I picked that clip just, just specifically because I know you hate that one, especially that one moment in the song, that bridge. Oh, I cannot stand that. You are rock and roll. You and I are. Give me a break. <laughs> Shut up already. Oh my goodness. Anyway, but I don't skip it anymore. So, you know. You, you've improved, I guess, or, or you've made yeah. progress. I'm not not yeah. saying you're a bad person because you hate it. No, no, no. To decide, and, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think I did. I saw it at least, I think I saw it at least once, maybe twice in concert. And it wasn't, I mean, yeah, it was fine. I didn't think, yeah, I thought maybe somebody said, I think if I remember correctly, somebody said he tries to go to like like vocally too deep and that could be a fair criticism because like I said I didn't hear it live but I I think and there's some comments in the chat room now like they were trying too hard I think it's just the opposite I think this is one that sounds like they didn't produce it to death or second guess it 150 times and maybe that's why I like it so much 
Yeah, did they do? They did a full band when they did it live, right? It wasn't like some acoustic version. Yeah, no, they did a full band when they did it. Yeah, because it definitely has like a big, heavy sound that, and like the guitar uh, with for the edges is definitely like could be could translate well into a big stadium performance if they, you know. I guess sort of put the production effort into it maybe and maybe they just couldn't figure out how to sort of use it in with everything else that was going on at the time but yeah we'll see I don't know it's it'll be interesting it's one of those songs that'll be interesting to see if it ever shows up again or if it just kind of disappears because they didn't you know ever dedicate a ton of stage time to it so um but we'll see. Maybe a volcano will burst somewhere and they'll have to play it as a theme song. It would have been That's... such a great t-shirt. Like merchandise-wise, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So uh, Eddie Jetty in the uh, forum had mentioned Volcano is the worst song on the album as well. So, Or maybe Eddie Jedi, Mr. Jedi? Star Wars fan. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you and names. <laughs> Raised by Wolves. So this is one that I didn't like at first, and I didn't like it until I heard it live, and which has happened with, you know, probably several songs over my fandom. And... Then once I saw it live and sort of got a better sense of maybe, you know, the, the, the anger in it and the vibe and the attitude, it, um, yeah, just sort of like changed the whole thing for me. Now it's, you know, it's not my favorite on the album, but it's certainly one of them. I think, you know, it's, it's, I guess just seeing it live gave me a, a much better appreciation for Raised by Wolves. Yeah, I think like the intensity of it, like all the visuals on the screen and... I guess like the fierceness of like Bono when he was singing it, the same thing where like I would hear it on the album and be like, Ooh, this is like much, but seeing it live and how it fit in with like the themes of like the opening half of the show. I was like, wow. I was like, yo, this song is great. I can't wait to like listen to it when I leave the show. And like, that's, you know what I did with like a lot of the songs, but no, especially seeing it, I was like, okay, now I understand. And now I kind of get like the bigger, the bigger picture of it all. Yeah, it it changed from like the initial hearing for me, not even before I hear it live, but just like the the initial hearing I was like confused by it as far again, it didn't sound like a, a U two song with the sort of random shouting in the background stuff and, and that kind of thing. And so but then yeah, and then there's enough little sort of musical hooks to that were keeping me interested. But um but yeah, I love this one and, and then the following track, Cedarwood Road, together as kind of this sort of intense story elements and sort of just this picture that he's painting with the lyric of a uh, boy sees his father crushed under the weight of a cross and a passion where the passion is hate. And just kind of the, the aggressiveness of the song, I guess is what really attracted me to it. And, um, and just seemed like a band that was, um, had renewed passion for the whole song, for the lyric, for the music, everything kind of all together came together for me on that one. All right. Uh, Cedarwood road is next. Walking down the road and not waking from these dreams Cause it's never dead Still my head It was a war zone in my teens I'm still standing on that street So uh, 
I guess, you know, continuing the theme of it sounds great when you hear it live because when you hear it on the album, it's like you don't really like it that much because that's what happened again with me where, you know, Iris is like the album, like it peaks for me there. And then I couldn't really get into the second half and then seeing it live and then having them do Iris and then you're sad and you're like, I don't know how I can handle the rest of the show. And then there Bono <laughs> talks about the past and having the audience go on the trip with them and then introing that segment of the show with this song, it, it made so much sense. And I, it just seemed really seamless to kind of go into it. And, and it's like, you got like the sense of their history and how they were growing up and like the friendships and, you know, before they really kind of like made it and hearing the song now, I'm like, it's probably in like my top five on the album for sure. If that sounds really articulate enough. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it as well. And I think I love the lyrics. I mean, the friendship, once it's one, it's one. I mean, I made magnets out of the graphic from the screen for Christmas for my YouTube friends and put that quote with it. I mean, the song means a lot to me. And uh, I remember distinctly at the New York, one of the New York shows, maybe the final New York show um, on this tour, and we were standing kind of in front of the area with a lot of the VIPs and the Roots, Jimmy Fallon's band were behind us or members of the band were behind us. And I just remember them going nuts when this came on. And I thought it was so great because this isn't, I, I always expect, and I should know better that musicians know all the songs and they probably listen to the album like we do. But usually the more casual fans, of course, are going to get excited about the the hits and this wouldn't this wasn't you know a hit it wasn't a single and they're just going nuts for it so I love it and I remember playing it on my cell phone when we actually visited Cedarwood Road and yes. looking, making sure we had the right cherry blossom tree that we were looking at I mean it's a great <laughs> it's a great memory for a bunch of nerds you know I'm sure that's not unique to you two. Like the U2 is, is is one of those bands that's very, and many bands are like this iconic sort of from a sp a space, a time, uh, a look, you know, a space in in the world, obviously, and and fans that travel the world to go to those places, and you know, obviously, many other bands have similar things, but uh, it's just always funny to me to hear, just like kind of Matt was laughing too about that idea of like going to the place to hear and find the right tree and, and listening to the right. song, which fans yeah, that's can. that's the second tree I've tried to find in the, <laughs> the name of this band now that I think about it. <laughs> but remember when we were in the cab and the guy was like, why are you going that far into this? Going in off. Yeah. That's yeah. I told that, I told that story, I think in Cleveland on the podcast, how he just went on and on, just rank it. This is ridiculous. And you guys, Bono's an idiot and blah, blah, blah. And then we get out of the car and he starts taking pictures of Bono's house with his own cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> like, the cab uh, driver? Yeah. Cab driver. Oh, oh, yeah. Great. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And everybody was so kind. Like the, the neighborhood was so nice and friendly. And we ran into some other fans that took us. We weren't quite far enough where we needed to be to get to the sign because the, the house is very easy to find, but the sign is not so easy to find. And so we had fans helping us. And then we went into a little convenience store to get a, a cab ride back. And the, the owner of the shop told us happy Thanksgiving because it was American Thanksgiving that day. And it was, just, it was just such a lovely experience. And didn't he have the story about Bono and Edge being handcuffed to each other as teenagers? He they did, came to the store. Right. They came to the store and his daughter was watching the store for him. And she was young at the time. And she called and said, dad, there's these, you know, troublemakers outside. They're handcuffed to each other. And I don't know if they're going to cause trouble when they get here. 
And sure enough, it's a teenage Bono and Edge that had handcuffed themselves together and were giggling and causing a stir, but they they didn't do anything. <laughs> so. Fun little stories. And I'm sure that guy tells that story to everybody. Yeah. That comes in, you know? But we felt special that day. <laughs> It's also, what I don't know if there's anybody out there who has the uh, Rock Band 4, I think it was a song that Cedarwood was amongst, along with a bunch of others that was released as a playable song on there. And it always yeah. struck me as an, innocent, an interesting choice just because of the sort of more intense uh, lyrics of the song to be like jamming along to, I guess. But um, musically, it's definitely like, uh, would be a fun one to play along with uh, if you had like the... Guitar. I love watching um, Edge actually play the dun 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 dun. I mean, if you ever get the chance to be right underneath him at that moment, that is a fun thing to watch. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so yeah, if anybody out there has played Rock Band Four and has the U two stuff, let me know. Hit us up on uh, Twitter. Ask uh, hashtag Ask at U two and uh, tell us what it's like to play U two on your plastic guitar. <laughs> All right. Next up is uh, "Sleep Like a Baby" tonight. I think. You know what, you know what else I don't like? Oh, <laughs> so let me play the song first, Mac. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> So this is another one that that not so popular, but I actually love it. And it's still one of my favorite ones from this album. And after I got home that very first day after downloading the album, one of the things I did was listen to it old school style, laid down with the headphones on and put this one on because Bono's voice was so amazing and it was so menacing and haunting that I wanted to experience it like in the dark and get to the dark place where he was going and it i thought it was just phenomenal i still think it's phenomenal is matt trying to be silent i think i'll hate it am i the only one that likes it no i like it i mean i'm i mean i like it better than the next two songs but i mean i'm kind of i mean i like it i mean i can't really go into any detail about i mean i enjoy it yeah I'm definitely siding with Tasula. I mean, I don't have like a burning hatred for it at all. I'm in the in the generally skipping sleep like a baby camp, um, mainly just because it doesn't. It it feels like out of place on the album in some weird way. I don't know if it's the production style or the like the clip that I chose of the really high falsetto. Like I love uh, Fat Bono or Fat Lady Bono, whatever he calls it. <laughs> Fat Bono. <laughs> <laughs> Fat Elvis. Anyways, that. That voice, like in Lemon and stuff, like when it's a, a counter to the the melody line, but uh, or in addition to it or whatever. But the on this one, it's like it's just the solo of that. I don't know something about it, um, and and the even the treatment on Edge's guitar just kind of doesn't. It puts me in like this weird headspace, which I think on its own as like a B side or a, on the the Songs of Innocence Plus or whatever deluxe edition, it could have made for an interesting you know experimental song. But for me, it kind of takes me out of the. Um, the album and the flow issue for you. Yeah. Yeah. Style. I can understand that. That, that makes a little sense. How about Matt? Uh, before Jill sleeps like a baby, literally tonight. <laughs> I don't know. Mom, mama always told me if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. So. <laughs> I'm going to just listen to my mom on this. Okay. <laughs> is it the subject matter or the actual singing or is it everything that you hate? 
It's pretty much everything. Chris, okay. Chris actually did a Chris actually did a very good job of of <laughs> how I feel of how uh, yeah very politely uh, explaining how I feel about the song. Too, Sometimes it takes it, a Canadian to it, 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 yes. <laughs> to polite it up for us <laughs> nasty Americans. That's it's, right. It's it's just it's nails on a chalkboard for me. So wow. <laughs> is there a fat Bono bitmoji though? We should make one if there isn't. My goodness. I just picture like fat suit, like shallow Hal Bono. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next track is This Is Where They Can Reach Me Now. Or You Can Reach Me Now. So this one, uh, for whatever reason, nobody picked. I don't know if it's one of those weird ones. For me, it's a weird one because it's it's uh, well, it's written for Joe Strummer. It says that in the liner notes and stuff. But um, I just never really knew where to again, like sonically, how to place it exactly. Um, it sounds like another time and place for a U two like late eighties kind of vibe almost or something. I don't know that I couldn't really wrap my head around and. It's it's not, doesn't like I said this is about an, another song on another album. It doesn't motivate me enough to go find my phone to skip it necessarily the way uh, I sleep like a baby might. But, <laughs> but it's definitely in the that's that's a metric, right? If you're willing to get up or or pull it out of your pocket to skip it, then it's where it's probably not one of your favorite songs. But um, yeah, anybody rushing to to its defense, this is where you can. I think when you look at the song, the other songs that are, you know, like about family, about friends, about growing up, about um, seeing the things that they saw growing up in Dublin, I'm like, then you get to this one and I'm like, it doesn't fit. And like the, that, like the first, whatever, 10 songs are so cohesive and they're, they fit perfectly together. And then this one comes and I'm like, Ooh, what do I do with this? And it's, Mm. yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm frantically finding my phone and then I skip it. (laughs) This right. would pair well with like seconds or something. You know, I'm thinking of yeah. military kind of, and that, and that I, I agree with you guys on that. Um, but I don't dislike it. I don't think it's a terrible song. Okay. So why, why is it not terrible? Tell me why. <laughs> why is it not terrible? <laughs> soldier. It's catchy. Um, no, I, I, I like that, that it changes. It's, it's much more, it's, it's much less linear than some of the safer choices on this album, like every breaking wave or California or, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that one of the, the complexity of it, I guess would be my short answer. I do like, I do like the complexity of it. I don't, but I, I hear you that it doesn't necessarily fit on this album or, or in the placement that it is on the album. I think that's like either one of these, like these two tracks, sleep like a baby, or this is where, or both of them, maybe like the, the B side or the, whatever you call it on the, on the, deluxe edition with Lucifer's hands or crystal ballroom could have easily swapped in, in my opinion, anyways, you know, and, and been a more, a stronger track on the actual album, but yeah, that's, and that's actually a fair, as I recall from like forum discussions and yeah, I'm sure Twitter, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's a pretty fair uh, and pretty popular um, opinion that, that this one, uh, this one particularly, um, you know, why did they put this on and leave off, you know, crystal ballroom or Lucifer's hands or something like that? I think, I think that's a, 
But don't you think it was probably a subject? Ma- I mean, less of less of a sonic choice and more of a subject matter choice because you know Bono's mentioned "Sleep Like a Baby Tonight" obviously refers to the the church abuse or whatever, and and then this is where you can reach me now. We're talking military. We're talking like thematically with what they were going through in their neighborhoods and growing up at that time. Those the lyrics at least fit. Maybe the music doesn't. Right. I think they wanted maybe another track that had like uh, another person that it was inspired by. So it wasn't just Joey Ramone that was like a, you know, a name call out on the, on the album. I don't know. That's me reaching a little bit for them, I guess, but. Um, that could be though. That's fair. Just cause it's, you know, they, it either is like the, the album with the Joey Ramone tribute or it's the album with a few tributes to their idols when they were growing up, plus their neighborhood, plus, you know, or whatever. Which matches the graphics and in, in the live versions and things. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll never well, know. Thank you. You two GW for supporting me in the chat <laughs> room there. <laughs> he agrees with me. <laughs> All right. So uh, the final track on the standard album is the troubles. I love this song. Um, this is another one where I feel like we did get it in Vancouver. We got it. There was a few times they played it and it really fell short live, but I'm afraid that that was because the backup singer was on a screen and not standing next to Bono to interact. I think if Bono had somebody to play off of live a woman singing, this would have been one of the best songs live. But they, he, they oh, no, go it. ahead, go ahead. Because they split it, it didn't. But to me, it's one of the most powerful. That's all. No, when you were saying, like, he should have had someone to play off of. Yes. In New York, when Lady Gaga was there, they should have done this instead of Ordinary Love. I thought it would oh, have been Oh, gosh, amazing. yes. That would have yeah, been a beautiful, beautiful pair. Been cool. I would yeah. have loved that. Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't, I like the original singer, but it doesn't have to be her. Like, I'm not that picky. Yeah. Like, they could just bring, yeah, I mean, they bring guests up all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, I love the troubles. I it's uh, for me it it goes along with like love is blindness and cedars of Lebanon. I love when they when they do these really moody album closers and you know sort of you know ambient and just you know just sort of like change the whole vibe up and and yeah I I love this song and I would I agree with what Tasola said about the live version too. Um, I just, yeah, it's just, it, it really, this, this one really works for me. It's, uh, it's, you know, skip a couple songs uh, from Cedarwood Road and go straight to this. (laughs) Oh, and there's another idea. You just sparked an idea for another podcast, Matt, like all the final, all the closing songs. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah, Because I agree with you on that too. There's definitely unanimous support in the chat room too for it. And, um, it seems to be that, yeah, the, the, the sort of mood I, I'm I'm trying to think if I saw one of the the uh, I'm sure there's a YouTube video or two of this being performed. So they actually did the like sort of the Lou Reed style of a video with the yes, they had know. her on the screen, big eyes, just her face, right. like huge face, and he would stand at the edge of the stage, kind of where he did every breaking wave, and you know react to her singing, but it right. wasn't very authentic the way it came across. Yeah. And then didn't Larry have like a separate drum, like he wasn't? Yeah, a kid? yes, yes that's this right. gigantic. It was like yeah. the size of a house. This yes. drum. <laughs> How could I forget Larry's big drum? <laughs> Good lord. So all that for the trouble, all, they went to all that trouble, so to speak, for 
performing it five times, it looks like, according to... Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And, and that means they wanted it to work, right? They kept trying, you know, they kept trying different things with it, but it, it's short of a live person, I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm in full agreement with Matt. It's a great way to close off the album and kind of set a, a different tone and, and, and sort of that I could... The, the sort of riff riff that they're sitting on in this song, they could just go for feels like almost hours on and, and Bono could just, I'm sure whatever Bono ism <laughs> he sings over top of in that, that sort of tone uh, I could listen to for hours. So uh, it's a great way to send the album off and uh, <laughs> cleanse the palate of the previous couple of songs. <laughs> throw that one in. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. All right. I can get away with that on this. I can uh, not... Did you forget to talk about one of the comments left by one of the? What's that? Oh, Eddie Remember? Jedi. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The Troubles is the first single, which it would be interesting. It's an interesting idea for sure. It feels like a really heavy um, topic or single for you two in this day and age. Anyways, the two thousands or whatever you want to call it to release as a single, right? So they they tend to sort of go for what they feel like is more radio friendly stuff in general, but it could work could have worked i think it would have been i think it would have been a good i agree with eddie actually i think it would have been a good single radio like pop radio these days is all about collaborations right and somebody featuring somebody so and featuring somebody young i would hate for you two to ever do that like you know here's you two's new single featuring you know chance the rapper whatever good lord please no (laughs) but (laughs) <laughs> but this song by default has that thing going on because it's sure. got Licky Lee in it. So, sure. you know, you could see maybe, you know, I don't know. You two I, feet Licky Lee. <laughs> no, please. I don't want them to ever do that. I don't ever want but them to be featuring. But I'd rather it be like Licky Lee than like Taylor Swift, you know? Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> I just don't want be like, to do it's, it. <laughs> it would be Taylor Swift featuring you two. That's how she would do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. They're not silly enough to to make anything real out of something like that. I would hope. But that said, I do think they missed a marketing opportunity by not touting this more. And I do think it would have been a more successful single than "Song for Someone." Yeah, and it, is, it does say a lot that they actually put allowed or not allowed. I don't know what the right word is, but like had featured someone else on a U2 album. They don't often do that, you know. Right. Right. They haven't had women on since what war. I mean, let's think about this. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Chrissy Hind on pride. Oh, my, my bad. You're right. Right. Chrissy on pride. That the most because she gets so much press about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. She's that singer from pride. Little known U2 facts. (laughs) of her face on concert <laughs> every night they play it so we referenced it a couple times uh, of course because of the i'm sure like due to the live stream or the free version that went to itunes then the stores got the deluxe edition sort of exclusive for a while and then everybody got everything eventually so if you got the free version and or if you didn't get the free for some reason you didn't have an itunes account you didn't get the free version <laughs> You're out of download. Yeah. It. You could forget yeah. it in two days. You bought the deluxe version, or the rest of us who got the free version then waited and got the deluxe, bought the deluxe edition for an extra five bucks or whatever it was. I forget what they did exactly. But um, the two notable songs there, besides you know, uh, re-edited versions of other songs that were already on the album were Lucifer's Hands and Crystal Ballroom. Um, 
and just I guess in brief, we've sort of mentioned. I mentioned anyways that I really like those both those songs. Of course, uh, at YouTube fans or readers who also follow uh, Tim Newfeld know he's claimed the Crystal Ballroom is for his uh, his show that he does Periscope show. Um, so obviously it has its its fans. But is there any other comments worth mentioning? I guess on, on those two tracks. I thought I actually saw Lucifer's Hands live in Chicago, I think, and I really liked it. I liked it a lot more live than I did on the album. Interesting. So live it made it even, which I, that's not, I guess that's just not, not surprising. But People got pretty excited. Well, I didn't expect anybody to know it, but then I was in Chicago. I should have known better. That's the, you know, that's a really core fan base for them. So of course they knew it and got excited. And I wish I'd seen Crystal Ballroom live. I didn't see that live ever, but I wanted to. Lucifer's hands at one of the New York shows, but it went over my head. I couldn't even tell you what the lyrics are of it, <laughs> but not related to the song. So, cause we didn't really discuss it, but um, the album cover of Larry holding his son. Oh yeah. I, I like how love that. Like, that. Yeah. Cause we talked about how it looked like an LP, like the old school, like records, but the image of the album that people I think know of Larry, you know, holding his teenage son, like on that cover, I think it's yeah. so beautiful. So well thought out. And the, just the theme of innocence, the theme of protecting that. Yeah. And we didn't really like touch on it, but I just wanted to give it a shout out if I could. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Larry often is seen as being the more private, you know, obviously compared to Bono and, and even the edge doesn't, doesn't talk as much, but to then sort of allow himself and his family to be shown, you know, so visibly obviously in the album cover, I, I guess, I don't know, just, it was a really interesting choice to go with that and that he would even want to do that and, you know, be a part of that and see the, the, the value, I guess, in, in being, exposed that way i guess you know because he has to talk about the fact that it's his son and stuff so and it's made like the best meme ever best you two meme <laughs> and if i could have figured out how to put myself in aaron's place today i would have <laughs> i'm just not very graphic design um gifted let's just say but yeah his tattoo was used a lot in the imagery for the merchandise Right. True. Yeah. Like on the bag, on the there's like a glass, like a pint glass. I think on the website you can buy the images on there. But you know, it made it, it onto the Larry. a lot of the shirts. Yeah, the Larry. Mm. That's what the shirt should have been called. It should have been called the Larry. I would anyway. I'll keep, let's keep it clean. I was just gonna say something <laughs> about a glass. <laughs> but anyway. But anyway. I'm sure there's lots of people who have lots of thoughts on Larry. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry's shirt or lack thereof. So we can, we'll save that for another podcast that I won't host, but uh, someone else can definitely <laughs> talk with all those folks for quite a while. I hear there's many private groups devoted to Larry and lack of shirt on the internet. So um, good luck Googling that. Um, Son's name's Elvis, not Aaron. I screwed that up. Oh, yeah. Just want to self-correct myself there. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, any closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode and the, the series, I guess, and Songs of Innocence that you'd like to didn't get out during the the uh, rest of the episode? Um, I'll, yeah, I'll just chime in. One thing that I had meant wanted to note was that for me, Songs of Innocence is very similar, not in sound or anything, but just in my impression of it, is that it's very similar to The Unforgettable Fire. I think it is better than the sum of its parts. Um, 
I think it. I just you know just as an as an entire. It's more the the album is better than the collection of the song of songs if that makes any sense. Because I remember we talked about that when we did the Unforgettable Fire podcast and. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unforgettable Fire has a couple songs that I don't particularly, you know, get all excited about, and this album has a couple songs that I don't get all excited about. But I love the album as a whole. Is it one? Okay, so here's one thing I I was going to ask everybody: after we saw it live, do did you reorder your set list to put it in order of the show of the live show, or do you still listen to it as it's presented, like in chronological order? Yeah, like chronological order of like what I did after a few Innocence shows, I came back and reorganized to put it in order of how they play it live. Did anybody else do that? I usually do. I create a playlist of the concert as a whole. I don't do the just just the songs from the album, if that makes sense. So I'll I'll make a playlist of like roughly the song order that they've been doing and, and sometimes use live versions of the song if if there's a way to get those from the internet somehow i have no idea but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah that, i'll often do sort of a live set list playlist that i'll mess around with uh, throughout the tour or something just to sort of experience it that way i guess but the only time i ever listen to this the original way anymore is when i listen to it on vinyl oh nice yeah. I did not I did not reorder any songs or anything but after those first two shows in Vancouver I drove home which is about a 6 hour drive for me from Vancouver to here and I listened to the album nonstop the entire drive listened to the album nonstop for like the next 2 weeks you know he just here at home and could not get enough of it so right. the, see, seeing it live just just really made me appreciate it even more yeah, I think I felt like the same way because you understood what they were getting at with the themes. You understood what they were getting at with the lyrics. And then I guess even now, I listen to it in the order, I think, because I like knowing that, okay, after California, a song for someone, then after that is Iris. It's like I like knowing the order and like knowing that oh, I like the song. And when you put it on like shuffle, I mean, I just don't get those themes anymore when you listen to it as the whole in order it just comes together really perfectly for me nice all right well on that note and uh <laughs> jill jill's gonna fall asleep on us if she but you you said you were gonna leave but you actually i know i know 11 <laughs> 11 because i know how these podcasts run so we're almost at the hour and a half mark so i made it yeah so thanks everybody for listening to this this episode in particular, but also the the series on on album by album. I hope you've enjoyed it. We uh, we have do have plans uh, that for what we would like to do next. But we'd love to hear from you if you have a specific idea or angle that you'd like us to go in next. While we fill a bit of time between uh, now and when the Joshua Tree tour starts, and then uh, whatever happens, whatever album happens after that. But uh, and you can do that if couple of ways if you want to on twitter hashtag ask at you too like i mentioned and also in the forums forum.atu2.com we'll put a thread in there for the podcast uh as it as each episode is coming up and uh, i would love to hear from you if as well especially um yeah if you're in the forum there so uh where can folks if they disagree with you about a song choice or <laughs> or something that you said in the episode uh, where can they find you on the twitters there jill we'll let you go first uh, beautiful day 36 Nice. And Matt? Uh, I am at Fabiano Mad on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Which he no. tweeted a great, uh, it'll be in the show notes, but tweeted out the uh, picture or sent me the link to the picture of him suggesting the song or the, uh, yeah, Sleep Like a Oh, right. 
in from uh, Dublin. Uh, Dublin, yeah. Uh, I'm at Matt McGee on Twitter. And <laughs> how about you, Tzula? I'm at Tzula. And I'm iChris on the Twitters, and you can follow uh, the At You 2 crew, of course, at twitter.com slash ATU2. ATU.com is where you can find all sorts of news about U2 the bands. There's the song database. There's the forum, like I said. Facebook.com slash ATU2.com is where you can find more folks if you need to on Facebook, if you want to like them up on there. And uh, previous episodes of the podcast can be found at goodstuff.fm slash ATU2. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you again next time. And I forgot to... Volcano's terrible. Oh, sorry. Wrong one. (laughs) 